I'll admit that the song I'm preaching around today is not one of my favorites from Cayman's Call. There are songs that I, I like and I listen to a whole lot more. There are songs that have touched me personally a whole lot more. However, this song reached out to me in a, in a specific way when I was 25 or so and 26, and it really helped me to understand something that I had never really thought about before and, and definitely didn't understand much. And it was good for me. When I was in seminary, I was dating a girl, and it was our turn to host music for chapel. And we did chapel every day, Monday through Friday, in between our last classes for the morning and for lunch. And I told her, I said, pick out pretty much any song you want, and I'll try my best to play it on the guitar. And she thought about it for just a second. And she said, let's do Piece of Glass by Cademan's Call. And I thought about it too, and I thought, you know, that's actually pretty good. I didn't know why, but for some reason it seemed like the right thing to be doing. Well, I want you to listen to it. I would tell you what it's about, but I want you to listen to it first. And if you were here at worship, you would hear Seth play it, and you get to hear him sing it. But I hope you can take a moment to stop and go listen to it on Spotify or YouTube or, or wherever you can find it. And, and you'll realize pretty quickly it's, it's sung by a woman, uh, Danielle Young, who is talking about a struggle with an eating disorder. Uh, specifically, as I've always understood it, uh, bulimia. And the song starts off with, I can't believe I did it again last night. Um, and she's referring to her eating disorder and, and, and the way that people often struggle with eating and, and bulimia. And I remember thinking about that. And, you know, I, I thought if I'm going to preach about eating disorders and people that struggle with these things, maybe I need to understand it a little bit better. I, all I knew was that people struggle with it, and it's an issue. But I didn't know how, how many or, or what, what treated people or what helped them. What we could do as Christians, I didn't really have a, a good clue. And so I spent some time reading about it, but I wanted to talk to some people. And so I started hunting around, and I asked people, and I asked quite a few people, I said, do you know anyone who uh, has struggled with eating disorders who would be willing to talk to me? And they said, no, I, I can't think of anyone. Or, or they'd say, well, let me check and I'll get back to you. And they all came back with a, with a no. Well, you'd easily be misled to think that no one struggles with it, especially if you were to go and Google it and, and look up uh, some of the statistics. Um, you know, statistically it says that 1% of people struggle with it, you know, maybe 1.8. It, it's not a very high percentage. And, and you know what they say about statistics, you know, I, I don't agree. I, I just, it's just not what I've seen. You know, maybe in different generations 
that that is true. But in younger generations, especially in women, uh, that's mainly what we'll be talking about today, that's not true. Um, women are struggling with eating disorders, uh, body image problems, uh, and men too in many ways. We'll talk about that some as well. But I think that this is a very common issue. And I tell you, I'd be willing to bet one whole paycheck that that 1% statistic is wrong. In fact, I've heard plenty of people who have eating disorders, but they're just not comfortable talking about them. In fact, I think they're just ashamed. They're embarrassed, and they know that people won't understand. And so they just hide it. They go to great lengths, in fact, to hide it from friends and from family, from everyone that they can. And so I think the question for us as people of faith, especially, as Christians, as a body of Christ, is what can we do? What is there that we can do to change the perspective of these people? What can we do to help them in their struggles? And I think that there are things that we can do. But honestly, I didn't know where to start. And so I, I began digging around. And I just went back to Proverbs 31, where it talked about the woman who is good, a good woman. And I was just curious, you know, this is a, the scripture we typically read on Mother's Day. It actually gave me some pretty good insight, I think. Now, I'm just winging it. I didn't ask a professional for advice on this, so don't take too much stock in this. It says in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, the message, I know it's a little bit longer, but listen carefully. This is what it says a good woman is like. It says a good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then, with money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. Listen to this. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops, her clothes are well-made and elegant, 
and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. And this is what he says. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. And this is what called my charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. That's the woman who's good. The one who loves God. Give her everything she deserves. Adorn her life with praises. As I said, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 always seems to be read around Mother's Day. But however, it's really just pretty much about all women. Uh, it's, it's about the ideal woman. And of course, the ideal woman back then when this was written may be somewhat different from the ideal woman in 2022. You know, I don't think that God really expects the ideal woman to go out and sell a bunch of clothes. You can do many things with your life and still be a good woman in God's view. However, as I read it, it finally it started to click maybe a little bit with me. Number one is that God has a different view of what's good. That oftentimes we, we look at this world and this world tells us that this is what's good. You know, being beautiful, being skinny, being young, being attractive, being a cheerleader, being social and popular, all these things are good. That's what makes you a good woman, a good person. But in the end, Proverbs 31 reminds us that God looks at the heart. That's what God tells us again and again in the Old Testament. God is looking at the inside, not the outside. And so we should be doing the same thing. And so I realized that part of the responsibility is not just up to the person who is dealing with the eating disorder or the body image problems. Part of the responsibility to deal with this is up to us as people of faith. We are the ones who should be adjusting our expectations, that we should be looking for what God is looking for in these people. I love that, what it says. It says, charm can mislead and beauty it soon fades. All that stuff goes away. It doesn't matter how hard you try to stay young and beautiful and skinny. All that goes away. You know that. It says at the end, the woman to be admired and praised is a woman who lives and loves God. It's the godly woman. That's the expectation. It has nothing to do with how you look. It's up to us to set that standard for the world. We need to change that. 
The rest of the world is not going to change their standards. Not really. It's up to us as people of faith to change what we think of as good and beautiful and right when it comes to body image and to a woman and even to anyone. As I read one person's story, I finally, you know, when I couldn't find anyone to share their story about this, I went and I spent some time on the internet. You know, the good thing about the internet, for, for better or for worse, the internet is good about everyone's willing to share their story on the internet. They may not share it in person, but they'll write about it. And I've, I found a lot of people who wrote about their stories of body image disorders and um, struggling with how they look and how they think about themselves and eating disorders. And I was reading one woman's story about her eating disorders and she quoted Romans 12, 1 through 2. And that's what I want to read to you from the NIV. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, many times over in the New Testament, we are... We are warned, and in the Old Testament as well, through the prophets, through the law, we are warned. And I don't really, you know, sometimes dichotomies, you know, this versus this, you know, two things isn't really helpful, but it does maybe help us to think of that the world, you know, things that are not godly, they have one set of expectations for us as people and as humans, but God maybe has a, a different set of expectations. And that those, those two, they just don't mesh. They don't go together. The world expects us to be young and pretty and voluptuous and wealthy. And God expects something completely different. And that's where we often go wrong and how we end up with a lot of the problems that we have, eating disorders and otherwise. We forget that God is looking for something much different from us. In fact, you know, I think if you want to, you can take the sermon, and I hate to get off topic, but you can actually take this, and this could be a whole other sermon, and and stretch it out to, to other people and to other situations. You know, the world expects you to have a house this big and in this nice neighborhood. And the world expects you to drive this kind of car. You know, if, if you want a social status of this, you have to drive a, you know, this kind of car. And you have to, if you want to be a good student, you have to have this kind of GPA, and you have to get into this kind of school, and if you want to be popular at school, you have to hang out with these kids, but not these kids, and if you want to be good at sports, you have to have 
you know, this kind of, of, of statistics for your, for all of your uh, sports. You know, the world is just full of expectations. And I'm just starting to think that maybe, I'm not saying they're all bad and they can't help us to some degree. But then maybe we need to be more worried about what God's expectations are. And so that's my encouragement for people who deal with eating disorders and body disorders, whether it be men or women or anybody. Just realize it. And I know this doesn't fix it. I know it doesn't make all the struggles go away. And a lot of these habits are deeply ingrained in it. There are... A lot of psychological things happening that aren't easy to understand, but just understand. As we look at Proverbs 31 and Romans 12, that God is looking for something much different than the world is. God doesn't care if you're a size 12 or a size 2. God just wants to know where your heart's at. God just wants to have a relationship with you. Christ came to bring these two worlds together. And to make it, you know, not just so that we could have life after death, but he came to bring God's kingdom, God's set of expectations into this world and to change them. And that's what he lived and died and was resurrected for. So here's my challenge, okay? First of all, if you are struggling with this, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to eat healthy and, and, and be healthy. Um, but don't be afraid to get some help. Um, you, you, you might find someone, a, a counselor or a, a psychologist, somebody who, str- who specializes in eating disorders, and, and they might help. Maybe they won't be so helpful, but keep on looking until you find someone who does. And, and get a support group, whether it's, it's someone at church, whether it's friends, whether it's family, or some combination of all of it. You're going to need that support group to help you and, and try to avoid all the triggers that set off. You know, if, if Instagram triggers all those eating disorders, get away from it. If TV doesn't, get away from it. Whatever it is, try to avoid it as much as you can. And for those of us who don't struggle with this, just remember it's up to us to set the standard for the rest of the world. We are a model. The rest of the world, we should be a model for the rest of the world about how to deal with this. You might not think that this sermon applies to you, that it matters. But I guarantee you that it does. Because as I told you, there's someone that you know who's struggling with eating disorders or or body image problems. It might be a granddaughter, a child, a a teammate, classmate, co-worker, neighbor, someone. Someone who's struggling with this. And one of the things I tell you is never tell them to eat more. If you see them passing up food... At a, at a meal or at a family get-together, don't tell them, eat more, eat seconds, eat pie. Just leave them be, okay? 
In fact, that's a, that's a pretty good sign of what they might be dealing with. Okay? Just love them. Offer loving compassion to them. That's about all that you're really qualified to do. And hope that they'll let you in and be a part of their support network. You know, I, I've known people who have struggled with this in the past, a long time ago. I knew someone when I was growing up who struggled with it. And it was painful to watch. Um, I, I knew someone when I was in school who struggled with it. And she tried to fit in. She tried to be popular. And she was relatively popular. She fit in relatively well. But her body image was just a little bit bigger than the rest of the girls. And I don't know what else was going on in her life. But according to what I heard, eventually she ended up taking her life because of, of all of that. She just couldn't handle it anymore. And that's just how very severe this can get. So just remember, if, if you're struggling with this, I can't change what the world is going to expect of you and what you're going to see on commercials and TV and in music. But I can tell you that God is looking for the heart, not what size pants you wear. God loves you the way you are. And I hope that's what the church and what people of faith will do as well. Amen.